My name is Jazz Potter, for those of you that were in my first seminar this morning. Um, but it's really good to be here. I currently um, live in Ashford in Kent. I have been there two weeks. It's all very new to me. Uh, but I will tell you a little bit more about that as we go along. So being assured. Knowing who you are and knowing what you are called to is an absolute game changer when it comes to sharing the gospel. When you are confident of who you are, of what God says about you, and what you carry into each and every situation and each and every day, absolutely changes how you look at evangelism and how you live your life and how you pursue the things of God. So what we're going to do this afternoon is a little bit of work, and I don't know if we're going to get through all 10 things that I've got on my list, um, but I'm going to try really hard. Some of them will take a, a quick, and some of them are a bit slower, and some I'm going to give you a little bit of time to write some stuff down of your own in your notes. God grants you privileges that no one else can. You are privileged because of what Jesus has done for you. So as you heard, I've recently moved house. Um, we haven't actually found anywhere to live yet. And uh, so we are currently living in a very dilapidated, dilapidated I don't know how you say that word. That one. Uh, we're currently living in a house that is literally falling around our ears. We're renting it. Um, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an old manse that we're renting. And we're renting on the basis of... Sorry, darling. Are you right doing the doors? Thank you. We're renting on the, on the basis that we didn't think the work was going to be too bad and that my husband could sort of sort it out as we were there and then reduce the rent for us. We've now realised just how bad the work is. So um, the heating doesn't work downstairs at all. It's been reasonably cold. Um, the roof is leaking, there's scaffolding all around the house because they said they fixed the roof, except there was a storm and more people have greater need than our roof, so it's okay for the water to be leaking. Uh, the oven didn't work for the first 10 days, it's now working. And uh, last weekend I cleaned the bathroom, I wouldn't use the bathroom, I had to go use a friend's bathroom. And it took me six and a half hours of solid steam cleaning to get the bathroom into a state where I was prepared to use it. It's been hard, you just laugh at me, it's fine. I'm, I'm good with it, I'm really good with it. Um, but despite the fact that I have made it sound really grim and really, really awful, every single day I have thanked God for the fact that I have a roof over my head. And um, having a roof over my head is actually not a right. It's a privilege and it's a luxury. And it's not one that everybody enjoys. Like, I'm really conscious that there are countless people being displaced right now in Ukraine. I have a roof over my head. And it's kind of understanding the privilege that we have and that we live in. And as children of God, the privileges that are afforded us. So today, basically, is a journey through some of the privileges that God has given us through Jesus. We need to remind ourselves daily, and, and that's something that Sarah was saying this morning, isn't it? That we have to remind ourselves daily of who we are 
uh, what we carry and who we actually represent because actually we can easily become lost in our circumstances. And I'm not having a pop at anybody, I just know that, that actually it's just easy to get distracted from what we're really called to. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through a list of sort of statements and I've got Bible verses to back up all of those statements. And we're going to work through those bit by bit. I'm not, as I said, I'm not sure I'm going to get through all of it. But I also need to say this. Just because you know the right Bible verses to say at the right time doesn't necessarily fix the problem. Do you get what I'm trying to say there? So the best illustration I've ever heard of that is, um, say you've got a problem with your car and like you kind of know that there's some issue underneath the bonnet. Well, there's no point trying to find some Bible verses and speaking them over your car. It's not going to fix the car, is it? You kind of need to take it to the mechanic or someone that knows what they're doing, get them to look underneath the bonnet, get out the spark plugs or whatever it is, fix it and, and get it on the road again. So just because we've got, we have verses in the Bible, there's a bit more work to do. And sometimes I think we live in a generation where we expect everything to be instant and sorted out in an instant. But actually sometimes there's just this, this place where not only do we hear the verse, but we've got to kind of let the word of God dwell in us in such a way that it grows. And it doesn't necessarily happen overnight, but it's a choice that we make day in, day out. Are you all still with me? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so the first one's really easy. The first thing I'm going to tell you, I'm hoping it'll appear on the screen, is you're a saint. So in your notebooks, what I want you to write is I want you to write the word saint and then your name next to it. Okay. The fact that you have placed your trust in Jesus Christ is enough to qualify you to be a saint, even though you'll still struggle with sin in this fallen world. Your core identity as a Christian is as a saint and not a sinner. Um, what I really would like you to do now is to poke somebody next to you and say saint with your name next to it. Go on, say it out loud. Go on. Colossians 1, 11 to 13. 
Be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. And Romans 8, 27, love the Lord, all you saints. And there is verse after verse after verse that tells you that you are a saint. So you got that? Yeah? Excellent. Okay, number two. You are blessed. I'm going to track it for you as quickly as I can. And God has given you the greatest blessing of all himself. No matter what other, God, what other blessings you may have, um, you can be confident of this one. That God has given himself and he will be with you, loving you, and working everything out in your life for his purposes. So, I am... One thing I have learned over the last few years, and I, di I didn't realise this, it's been scientifically proven, but if you stay thankful for something, um, you know, like, if you get something new, like get a new toy, I don't know, you get a new kitchen, if you get a new kitchen, and when you first get your new kitchen, not that I'm dreaming of kitchens or anything at the moment, <laughs> um, when you get a new kitchen, you're, like, you're really excited about it. You, know, you show everybody around and you go, it's my oven, look at my oven, it works. And it's a fridge, it's a fridge, look inside. But when you get that, you're all excited. But not long after, the novelty wears off, yeah? Um, it has now been scientifically proven that actually if you choose to stay thankful for the new thing, those feelings come back. When I heard this, I didn't believe it. So I tried it. We had a brand new door in my last beautiful house. Not the house that I live in now. And we got given a brand new door. I loved it. I designed the windows for it. And I was very excited about this door. And I chose that every time I walked through a door to be thankful for it. Do you know, the whole time, eight, ten years that we lived there, I was never disappointed with that door. I know that sounds really silly, but I kind of wanted to work that practice out. I wanted to see if that actually was true. And from experience, I can say that it is. I want you to be in a place where you stay thankful for Jesus. Just stay thankful for the fact that you have Jesus. Like, we think that just trots with our tongues, doesn't it? But actually deeply thankful for Jesus. And the next thing I want you to write down is I want you to write down one thing that God has given you that you are thankful for. So we've got Jesus, we know that you're thankful for him. But one other thing, Physical, it could be spiritual, it doesn't matter because we're not going to read it. Just want you to be processing. What is it you're thankful for? Me are verses. I'm not going to read every verse out to you because if I read them all out to you, uh, we would be here till the gala dinner, and I'm sure that you all want to get dressed for tonight. Um, but they are the, the references up there, you can look them up in your own time. But following on from that, the third thing is that you're saved. Now, that's a game changer when it comes to evangelism. You need to know that you are saved. Thanks to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, you're saved from sin. Um, you're saved from, you're, your death has been defeated, Satan has been defeated, your old human nature 
and a pattern of worldly living has been dealt with, you can respond in gratitude to your salvation. Sorry, I've written the wrong line there. But you can respond in gratitude to your salvation. You are saved, and here it is, that does not change. You are saved, you are rescued, you are called, you are redeemed. Jesus died for you. It's a game changer, I think, when you absolutely know that that is what he has done for you. The verses that we've got here, Romans 10, uh, 9-10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Have you all declared at some stage that Jesus is Lord? You're saved. You're saved. Okay, you're reconciled. In the seminar that I had before, I'm sorry, I'm just going to repeat myself. Um, people like you. They do, they want to like you. And more importantly, people want to be liked by you. When you like somebody, you like them with the like of God. I don't even know if you understand what I mean by that. I'm going to try and unpack it for you a little bit. When you, when you like them, when you, when you care for somebody, when you demonstrate care for somebody, you demonstrate that with the love, with the like, with the kindness of God. You are Christ's ambassador in those situations. Jesus has spiritually reconciled you to God. And so he has called you to help other people encounter God. And so we have a responsibility to ask the Holy Spirit to, to help us to do that. Okay, so I've been talking for quite a while. One more, and then I've got a bit of a deep exercise. I'm going to give you five minutes to do the exercise, and then we'll come back. So the next one is that you are afflicted. Everyone in this fallen world, Christians and those that don't yet know Jesus, must endure suffering. It is a part of, of life. However, as a Christian, your suffering can accomplish good. Rather than asking why when you suffer, ask who. Instead of shifting your instead shifting your focus from trying to figure out why something has been done to you, shift it towards what is God saying in this situation? Ask Jesus to use the suffering you experience to make you more like him and point more people to him. Let me unpack all that for you because it's just it's quite a lot that I threw out just there. We know that just because you're a Christian, life doesn't become all hunky-dory overnight, does it? We also know that rubbish still happens. We still have to go through stuff. We've only got to go through the last two years to know that rubbish still happens. We also know that because we know Jesus, we handle it differently. Is that fair? Yeah. Or we can. We have the potential to handle it differently. Um, 
And it's so easy to get stuck in the cycle of, but what about me? Why me? Oh no, poor me. So what I actually want you to do right now, I'm going to give you five minutes to do this, I just want you to consider a time where you experience maybe some heartache or what you perceive to be suffering. I want you to consider it and chew it over and just begin to say, God, what is it you taught me in that time? What happened in that moment? And I just want you to write that or make a mental note of it. Um, just say, no, what, what did I learn through that experience? What did I get out of it? How can I help someone else understand what I went through? Let's just do that, and then I'll come back. John 16, 33 says this. Jesus says, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. It's like guaranteed. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I'm not going to ask you to share, because it's really personal, and I fully understand that. But I don't think there's any one of us that hasn't got a, a story to share if we wanted to share it. But I know that God is teaching us and speaking to us. Okay, our next one, just follow that one on, is you're heard. It's part of your identity. You're heard. Jeremiah 29, 12, 13 says this, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. That's a promise. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your hearts. It's an absolute promise. Every prayer you pray, every word that you utter is heard by Jesus. 1 Peter 3.12 For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Your saints, your righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And 1 John 5 15 says this, And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. I want you to do a little bit of work now. Because I know that all of you have come to this event with stuff on your, on your minds, in your hearts, things that you're concerned for, people that you're worried about, whether it's the crisis in Ukraine or whether it's something much, much cl closer to home. All of you, I know, because we do, we carry stuff, don't we? And I want us to have a moment where God, where we just, we just really give that over to God. You don't have to do this out loud. You can do it silently, so God can read your thoughts. I want us to give a, a moment to actually just giving that back to God. Is that all right? The thing that you came with the person that was in your heart, the situation that was in your heart, the thing that is causing you the greatest concern right now. Could we just have a moment where we give it to God? Go. Holy Spirit, just come right now. Just really sense the presence and we kind of got heavy really quickly, but that's okay. Jesus, I thank you that you've called each of us by name. And I thank you that you hear all of our prayers. I thank you that we can bring every situation, every circumstance, 
and every person we know to you and that you hear our prayers. Father, I thank you that our words do not fall on deaf ears. As far as all the things that we brought to mind in this moment, we commit them to you and ask you to break it. Okay, if you come with a friend, or you're sitting next to somebody, and you don't have to be would you tell them at least one thing that you believe that you are gifted in, and see if they agree with you?
these special abilities that he wants you to use in Christian ministry. He calls you to do so both inside the church and outside in the community. And you can discover those gifts by asking yourself questions like, whom, where do I have a passion to serve? But have a little answer to that. Where do I have a passion to serve? Where do I get excited about, you know, what, what situation is it the weekly coffee morning that I go to? Is that the thing that excites me the most? Or is it when I'm like, I don't know, abseiling down a waterfall with a bunch of people training them? I don't know. I don't know what you kind of like doing. Just trying to think of something random. You also find me in a bar. Friends, practice that. What do you have a burden to do? What needs do you see in your church? What do you find joy in doing for others? What opportunities has God already provided for you to serve others? And what things are you best at and what have you had the most successes in? What have godly people commended you for doing? And what acts of service have given you the deepest sense of satisfaction? I mean, they're good questions to ask. And they're questions to really worth mull over and actually discover this is the thing that I like. I did this exercise um, last year when I was just trying to work out what I wanted to do and where we wanted to be because we were in this process of moving house, as you've already heard. And, um, and I always used to beat myself up a little bit because I didn't have a passion for one thing. Like, I didn't have a passion for, like, orphans in some, you know, tribal country in Africa, or um, I didn't have a passion for, like, going back to India and doing stuff over there, or I just didn't have this one burden, I didn't have this one thing that I wanted to do. I didn't, I didn't, didn't feel it. Until I did that exercise myself, and I worked it through bit by bit by bit, and got to the point that I realised I just like people. I really just like people. I love being with people. Give me people, I am happy. Getting to talk to people makes me really happy. I am, the thought of driving from Ashford to here on my own filled me with horror. I'm so grateful I got to bring two people with me. <laughs> because I just love being with people. I love having conversation. And I can get deep really, really quickly, as you have just seen. Right. And then, um, so, yeah, it is worth spending time. Do you want me to say those questions again? Yeah. I don't think they're too fast. I thought I might have done. Right. So, ask questions like, who, where do you have a passion to serve? What do you have a burden to do? What needs do you see in the church? Because you and I, if we went to the same church, we would see very different needs because actually God gives us different lenses. And the way that you're shaped, you'll see one thing, and the way that I'm shaped, I will see something different. So what needs do you see? What do you find joy in doing for others? Because for some of you, it is making the Victoria sponge and it's turning up with the meal, you know, when the babies are born and you do that. Don't ask me to do that because I'm rubbish at doing it. 
but there are people in the church that are amazing. Like when we moved house two weeks ago, people in the church turned up with meals for us. And I feel like I need to do them back, but it's going to, you know, it's going to be hard work for me. Um, especially when I'm in the kitchen, not talking about that much. Um, what opportunities has God already provided for you to serve others? It might not be your biggest desire, but what opportunities has God already provided? Because in those opportunities, what he's doing is he's training you. He's shaping you. Even if it's not the most joyous thing in the world, you are being shaped and being trained. What things are you best at? And what have you had the most successes in? And what have God people commended you for doing? It's great when we get a compliment, isn't it? When somebody says you've done that really well, thank you so much. What was the last compliment you received? And I'm really good at compliments. If you want a compliment, you haven't had one for a while, come and chat to me for five minutes, I will find a compliment. And what acts of service have given you the deepest sense of satisfaction? Jesus on the cross has made it possible, possible for you to become sons or daughters of God the Father. So make your main goal of life learning, of life learning how to know, love and trust God as your Father. <coughs> two stories to share The first one is uh, my boys, I have two sons, one is 19 and one is 21. They're both adopted. They arrived when they were six and seven, and they were born in Leeds, they are brothers, everybody always asks me, that's the first question. They are brothers, they came from Leeds, they lived in London with us, uh, they came with strong Leeds accents, but now they've got broad South London accents. Um, they're very funny. But actually, over the years, you know, they've had to work through a lot of stuff in terms of their identity as potters, and being part of the potter household, and what that means. But one thing they ask us on a regular basis, is this. Mum and Dad, when you die, we do get the house, don't we? <laughs> like, that's a regular question in our house. There's a little bit of a worry that's deep in there. There's a little bit of fear that's deep in there that they haven't quite worked out yet. And it's particularly with our youngest, he hasn't quite sussed it. But he does check with us on a reasonably regular basis. And when I say that, usually about three or four times a day. Mum, Dad, when you die, you will leave us the house. We do get the house. <sighs> yes, love, you get the house. Uh, half and half. Yes, love, you get the house. They understand that in being adopted into our family, that whatever money Tim and I have, who work for church, not really that much, they will get an inheritance. They get that. They know that. They know there'll be some security. The Bible tells us that we also get an inheritance. And uh, it's really interesting because somebody wants, um, we know that there's a whole thing about us being called sons of God, that we're sons, aren't we? I know that we are daughters of God, but the Bible calls us sons. And 
and, uh, and it's always quite conflicted because there's the bride of Christ is in the church, the men are called women, and then we're the sons. And somebody said to me, oh, don't you mind being called the son? I'm like, that's just a privilege. It's a privilege to be called a son. Let me explain that. When my father died, as an Indian woman, as an Indian daughter, culture dictated that he isn't allowed to leave me an inheritance. So my brothers all got an inheritance, but as a woman, I did not get one. Uh, the idea being that when I marry, um, my husband's family would look after me, and I, you know, benefit from his inheritance, if you like. My husband's the one that he gets. Uh, his dad works for a church, so that's not going to be very much either. Um, but, but, um, what I'm trying to say is that when I get told by God the Father that I'm a son, what he's saying in that is that I have an inheritance. That I can partake in that that has been offered, that I'm not discounted by my gender, but that actually I am welcomed in. It's really important to know that we're adopted, that we are children of God, that we have a heavenly Father, and he really is our, really is our father. I hope that helps explain that a little bit. So lots of lovely verses up there. Can you give us the text reference for the bottom one? We can't see it very well. Oh, sorry. The bottom one is Ephesians 1, 4 to 5. For he chose us in him. What brilliant verse this is. But he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. What an amazing verse. It speaks about who we are completely. Okay, number nine. I think we're number nine, ten, I don't know, I've lost track now. You're loved. You are loved. I know that we say this a lot. We say, Jesus loves you. Uh, we always talk about it Sunday mornings. You can't approach without being reminded that you are loved. Let's not be trite about this. You are loved with a tangible, real, fierce, incredible, powerful, life-giving, life-affirming love. It belongs to you. It's your position. God loves you unselfishly and continually and perfectly. Nothing that you can do can separate you from God's love for you. Romans 8 tells us so clearly, it says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. But I am convinced, Paul writing, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow! There's nothing you can do that can stop God from loving you. There's nowhere that you can run from where he isn't able to love you and hold you and keep a hold of you. You know, those are the kind of verses that you've got to live in you. Those are the kind of verses that you want them to run around in your head day in, day out. You want them to like live in there. Walk in it. Know that you're loved. So when, when somebody in the world rejects you, you're still loved. When somebody in the world says no thank you to Jesus, 
you're still loved. When someone in the world makes some rubbish comment, you're still loved. When someone in church makes a rubbish comment, you're still loved. You're still loved. It doesn't change. And then I've got your victorious. Jesus has given you the power to overcome evil, sin, and death. You've got spiritual weapons at your disposal. You've got the truth, you've got righteousness, you've got the gospel, you've got faith, salvation, scripture, prayer, and strength to stand in spiritual battles. Trusting that you can always emerge. And of course, in Ephesians 6, you're not going to go into the armour of God, but you are fully equipped with the armour of God to face every single day. And I've gone through seasons, I haven't actually got a vision six up, I've gone through seasons where when it's been so tough that I've literally woken up and got a hold of Ephesians 6 and read it out and physically put the armour on. Like literally, I've, I've acted it out, I've put on the breastplate of righteousness, I've tied it up with a belt of truth, I've put on the helmet of salvation, I've put the boots on. I've done all of that, I've had to, because that was the season I was in. But you are victorious. But everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that's overcome the world, even in our faith. Oh, that was the last one. Sorry. I ended on your victorious. Sorry, I thought that was it. Was that, that, was that Ken? Yeah. I thought there was more to come. I finished five minutes early. What shall we do with the time? Cool. Can I pray for you? Or is there, is there a question? Have I raised any questions, maybe, before we go? You're all like, no, Jack, I want to go to the spa now. <laughs> oh, go, Bridget. Um, could you very kindly read out, is it John 1623? I can't read it. John 1633, it says this I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You're victorious. Cool. Any more? Yeah, the next one. Oh, the next one, sorry. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. 1 Corinthians 15, 55, 57. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sin? The sin of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll just pray for us, and then you guys can go and have a little swim or chill out, or a little snooze. Oh, Father, I thank you that we are absolutely free. I thank you that you, Jesus, have beaten death, that we are no longer subject to law, but that we were saved by faith in you, that you have shown us grace and mercy. Father, I pray that for each person here in this room today, you would bring to mind all the gifts and talents and the good works that you have prepared. Father, that you would cause us to step into our identity in you that you would cause us to move with you, be in step with you in such a way that when we share our faith, when we explain who we are, that Father, there is a, that, that we know that we lack nothing in every situation. Father, I bless every single person here. Amen. Amen.